When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum Internet has enough speed to handle all your needs. So you can work, game, and stream with speeds up to a gig. Plus, Spectrum's advanced Wi-Fi provides enhanced security for all your connected devices. Get Spectrum Internet with fast and reliable speeds, starting at just $29.99 a month with a two-year price guarantee. Visit spectrum.com slash internet for you for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Restrictions apply. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome back to another brand new episode of You Need Therapy. My name is Kat and as always, thank you so much for deciding to spend a little bit of your day with me. This week offers us something extra special because it is a holiday week in the middle of a pandemic. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've never done this before, so we're going to do the best we can. I know that some of us are struggling with the holidays as we would normally because of our own life stressors and anxieties and stuff going on. And then also some of us are struggling because we can't spend the holiday that we normally would want to spend with the people we want to spend it with. And I know I personally have some friends that are having to quarantine just straight up alone on Thanksgiving and that's going to be really hard. And so I want to just throw that out there to anybody who is struggling this week extra. I'm here with you and yeah, it's tough. I want to offer anybody that is in one of those spots who feels just kind of defeated and is this ever going to get better that there is hope still. We still have some hope. This is not going to be our new normal. This is just our right now. And if we can look at it that way, it can help us, you know, plant a little bit more hope, which we might have some trouble doing right now because we've been hoping for almost a year now for this to go away and it hasn't. So just always remember, like maybe you can put that in your head that this is not our new normal. This is our right now. Okay, now for this week's episode, y'all, you are in for such a treat because I was not planning on releasing this episode this week, but you know, we need some goodness and laughter and fun in our life. And you know what? Talking about mental health, yes, can also be fun and enjoyable at the same time. I have Jamie Grace on this week. And if you don't know who she is, run to your phone, which you probably have in your hand, open up Instagram, which you probably have one, and follow Jamie Grace because she's hilarious. And she also is somebody who talks openly about her own story and struggles 
gospel and redemption through all of the things that encompass mental health and what that means for her and her life. She was diagnosed with not just OCD, not just anxiety, but also ADHD and something called Tourette's syndrome. If you don't know what that is, she kind of walks us through that a little bit. And she does it with such fun. I don't have a better word for it. She has really been an example for me just in the one conversation I've had with her on how to truly embrace and love who you are with all of the things that make you different. And we talk a lot about that towards the end of our conversation. She's a gem. If you don't know who she is, she is a singer. She is a artist. She is a producer. She is a songwriter. She is an author and you can buy her new book called Finding Quiet. She also is a mom and a wife and a mental health advocate and all of the things. And now I just want to call her my friend because I think she's awesome. And Oh yeah, this is a good one. So if you guys just want to learn more about mental health in general, or if you just want like to enjoy a conversation, this is it. I laughed through this whole thing and I wouldn't even call it deflection. I would call this is what it's like to embrace who you are. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time because the conversation will do all the work. So here is my conversation with Jamie. I will see you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. One thing I don't even know how to even introduce you because you're now an author, you're a singer, you're a songwriter, you're a producer, <laughs> you're a mom, you're a mental health advocate. So I have your book. I have read, I think like 70 pages, but the beginning, what I first was like, oh, is when you talked about the diagnosis at 11. Yeah. Like you were diagnosed at 11 with, I'm going to say a slew. Of, yeah. At 11, I don't know that I would even know what that meant. So Right, right. What was it like for you to get diagnosed at 11 with multiple mental health disorders? Did that even make sense? I just don't, I want to know what that was even like. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I started having symptoms of Tourette syndrome when I was nine years old, um, which Tourette syndrome is a tick disorder um, that makes you make movements and sounds you can't control called ticks. And so the severity of the ticks that I had at nine years old were pretty high. There's a lot of arm and leg movement that would oftentimes prohibit me from being able to walk without falling or hold things without dropping them. A lot of blinking and that was getting to the point where my eyes would start to burn and I could not really go into major department stores or grocery stores because fluorescent lighting would cause it to get worse and make my eyes burn even more, which would just trigger my anxiety, which would just trigger more ticks because I was then stressed out. So the severity of what was going on at age nine, which was very constant up until age 15, I was so ready to find some answers. I was so ready to figure out what was going on. Like a, 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 like a lot of kids, I dealt with like things like asthma growing up, you know, and then also just regular cough and cold situation that kids deal with. So I was used to like, okay, sometimes you're not feeling good. And the good thing about doctors is that they have a bunch of really cool like artwork on the wall and they have great personalities and they give you medicine and then they give you a lollipop when you leave. So I had such a positive perception of what that experience was like that going to all these doctor's visits, just to be real, as traumatizing as it was, I still maintained a level of hopefulness and optimism because I was like, well, eventually we're going to find the doctor that is going to give me the medicine and the lollipop and everything's going to be okay. And when I was 11, I have a doctor 
don't know why I'm saying his name. Just feel like I should. He's amazing. His name's Dr. Hunkos. He's in Georgia where I grew up. And my mom actually kind of took him some paperwork. She was like, look, it's been a two-year journey with my kid, all these different doctors and specialists. I think this is what, I think it's Tourette syndrome. And he confirmed like, yeah, it's Tourette syndrome, OCD, anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder. And I was hopeful. I was like, great. Thanks. Thanks, mom. Thanks, Dr. Hunkos. You know, we got it figured out. But I just, I soon found out that there's not only no cure for what I have, but there's also no specific treatment that, you know, is to help it. And so that was harder than the diagnosis in and of itself. The diagnosis was easy because I, I needed a title for my craziness, you know, as I personally call it uh, myself. But the finding out that there was nothing that anybody could do, that was the traumatic part because then I was like, so wait, you know, at this point, like I didn't know how to make manage it and know how to control it. When I would get stressed out, it would get worse. And so I'm like, good or bad stress. You know, if my parents told me that, hey, we're going to get pizza tonight, I would sometimes tick so bad that I had to go to bed early because I would just wear myself out. And so it just got to the point where I was like, I don't know how to deal with the fact that there's nothing that we can do about it. And that was much harder for me than, you know, the diagnosis itself. Well, it sounds like exciting things are even stressful and then it makes them not exciting. Right. And, and, and that, I mean, that's still something that, you know, I'm almost 29 and that's still present to this day. We, my husband is amazing and he has really learned how to pace information with me. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, <laughs> when we first got together, he would be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And then it would just become so much, just so much information. And now like, I mean, even, even I'm not even kidding. Even something like Kelly Clarkson is going to be, you know, hosting the Billboard Music Awards. Like that kind of information is like, just give me five minutes because I'm pumped and I'm going to need to like breathe a little bit, get a snack because it just like everything is extreme for me, like good and bad. My emotions are very heavy and not even so much at this point, but, you know, I'm a bit older and so it's not even so much that it triggers ticks at this point, but it can just trigger heaviness. And so we just have to pace everything. We try to have slow conversations or if there's a lot of that we need to talk through about like bills or things like that, you know, this might sound like stuff that most people experience and that, you know, that's totally possible. But even like talking through like, oh, this phone bill needs to be paid or something like that. That stuff that we have to like, no music can be on, no anything because everything can be really big for me as someone that has you know, anxiety and a tick disorder. And so, so yeah, it, it can be challenging, but we just have to kind of pace everyday life. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I hear both camps when it comes to people and diagnosis of any kind. Some people are like, don't put that on me. And then some people are like, thank God, like kind mm. of what you're saying of like, there's a name for this. Right. That means there probably is something that I can do about it. And it also means I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. So that's really helpful. And so you're sitting in this like both and situation of like, oh, I have an answer. Right. Also, there's not a ton of stuff I can do. Right. No, it was that that was the most frustrating thing for sure. Um, you know, they 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 pretty quickly they meaning doctors and specialists pretty quickly were letting us know that there were medications that could help. So that that was cool. I was like, okay, cool. I'll try it. You know, at 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 that, at that point, my my physical tics were so severe that it was like, why not? <laughs> and so so we tried some medications for a while, um, from ages nine to fifteen, and then at fifteen, I came off of all of them because the side effects were just not worth it. Um, I was also getting ready to go off to university, and I really just wanted to kind of have a fresh start in a new place, new environment, and just see how school would work by myself, if you will, without medication. And so um so yeah, so that that was frustrating that none of 
of the medication at that point was really helpful. I'm kind of naturally an optimist, so I don't want to sound like I'm just brushing over difficult things, but but it also helped in a way because it helped me to kind of develop a care plan in my everyday life, you know, and to be like, okay, well, what are things that I can do to help? Because I just, I refused to accept a complete like end of the road sentence, you know? Um, I was like, that's just not an option for me. Not so much saying like, oh, I can fix the Tourette. I can heal the Tourette. Not saying that, you know, and I like to clarify that because I'm a Christian and I, I, I really love God. And I like to clarify to people like, yo, this isn't me saying like, if we all yell at God loud enough, he'll fix it, you know, because that's definitely not how it works. Um, so that's not what I was trying to do. But I was like, there's got to be something I can do to make my life a little bit easier. Even if even if like it's literally just as simple as like, oh, well, if you eat the right fruit, it'll help your eyesight something. I was like, there's got to be something. So the medicine not really working was good in a way because it helped my family and I develop other tools and ways to kind of cope. Mm-hmm. And this is all happening too. Like when you said 11, I don't know what age, what grade we're in in school, but like this is pulling you through like middle school into right. high school, which right. is like, I don't know what your experience was, but that is a very tough time for many people. Right. And so you're actually navigating this through a really tough time for anybody. Right, right. And one 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 major advantage that I that I did have is that when my, my sister's two years older. And so when my sister was three, my mom chose to homeschool. And that was just before any of this. We were the homeschool family. And so that was one huge advantage that I did have. But with that, my mom was always very, my mom was very, very much like a if ever you want to go to public school or private school, we'll try it. And if it works, you can do it. So I did still have, you know, here and there, I would be at a, like a different school. And then we also were in like homeschool groups, um, you know, where you take like a few classes a week, you can do, you know, sports and things like that. And then I was a pastor's kid. So I was around other kids and teenagers all the time. So so I did still have somewhat of the traditional experience, you know, and, and it was challenging. You know, there were other kids that didn't want to hang out with me because like their parents, told them that Tourette was contagious or, you know, their parents told them that like, yeah, which like, hey guys, we're going to try this thing called books and we're going to read them and you're going to find out that neurobiological conditions cannot be, you know, but it's fine. Believe what you believe, boo. Merry Christmas. Happy 1999. But yeah, so like we, you know, there were kids that like their parents told them that like it was demonic and like they don't want their kids hanging out with a demon. I respect that, bruh. Like I wouldn't want my kid hanging out with a demon either. I'm not a demon. Definitely not. But we've seen the good place. They can be disguised. And so I, it, it was definitely really difficult because I was I was bullied by other kids. I was isolated by other kids on, on top of already being a homeschooler in a community where there weren't a lot of homeschoolers on top of being the pastor's kid when it's like oh she probably doesn't know this song from the radio on top of being this little black girl that wears cowboy boots and wants to play the banjo it it was already this very i was already a very isolated awkward kid when i left my home playing on the playground but i had like a narnia book in my back pocket like i was already that kid and then on top of this it's like oh also, you have mental health issues. And, and at that time, too, my tics were so severe that we hadn't even really begin, begun to explore my anxiety diagnosis. We, we didn't even fully understand my OCD diagnosis. And so as like literally as the days are going by, I'm learning more about 
my compulsions. I'm learning more about my anxiousness. And it was just, it felt like it was getting worse and worse. And I was becoming more and more isolated. There were, there were a few good friends that, you know, that were there and I want to you know acknowledge them for sure. But on the grand scale, grand scheme, whatever the, you know, whatever, like it was, it was tough. It was challenging. It was really frustrating to be going through that as a kid when all, all you want as a kid is to fit in and to make friends. And we just want people to like us. Seriously, that's all we want. And then as we become adults, we realize until you change your mind, that that's what you feel too. (laughs) You just just want people to like you. And and that just wasn't always my story. I wonder how that, like what messaging you took from that of as a, however old you are at the time, but we'll just say kid, adolescent, what's the meaning you took from all of this essential chaos surrounding you? Yeah. What did that, what does that mean about me that were you able to separate this is their belief system and their lack of knowledge and understanding, or does this now become a belief I hold about myself? Yeah, I I wasn't necessarily able to separate that, but I'm grateful that my family was and that they continued to provide a safe place to land every time I walked into that front door. I would not be where I am without my family. And and I, I, I like to make sure that I acknowledge the amount of privilege that I come from, that I'm even able to say that, that I had both my mom and my dad and my older sister that were so intentional about providing a safe place for me to land. As I, uh, when I was a little older or not too much older, but there was this movie that I was in love with called True Confessions. Uh, It was a Disney Channel original movie. And I think it was Shia LaBeouf. Well, I know it was Shia LaBeouf. I just don't know how to say his name. So it was him. And he plays a a middle school, high schooler uh, with autism. And the movie is about his sister's experience. And I remember I felt so, you know, I, I, I don't, to my knowledge, have autism, but I know that I'm not neurotypical and neither was his character. And I related to him so much. But I remember seeing that movie and seeing how hard it was for the sister of having a sibling that is not neurotypical and having a sibling that needs their hand held through a lot of adolescent things that you would think someone could handle by themselves. And I didn't realize until I saw that movie that my sister had to literally be my foundation throughout my whole teen years and through my college experience. Like part of my care plan was that I went to the same college as my sister. Um, so that I, and I lived in the same dorm as my sister and that my sophomore year, she and I were roommates. And that is the only way that I survived. That is the only way that I became who I am. And even when my sister graduated, that her two best friends literally took on her role in my life when, because they were still at the school and they were RAs at the school. And so to, to answer your question, no, I did not know how to separate, you know, being called retarded by other kids and feeling different and feeling inadequate. I didn't know how to separate those things. I just accepted that, oh, if that's what they say, that must be true. But Every time I walked into the the doors of my home, well, there's just one door. Well, there's a back door. Every time I walked into either one of the doors of my house, I knew that I would have my sister there who would play me songs, who would show me movies, who would just always encourage me. My dad, who would dance with me around the house. He's the worst dancer ever, but he would always turn on smooth jazz and just dance. My mom, who was always creating something, redesigning a chair or learning how to upholster something. And she would be like, you want to help? Like just always having this creative joy full, loud, crazy, beautiful home that 
carried me until I learned how to carry myself. Yeah. And I think you're speaking of of what you said, a foundation, like you had a foundation that as much as it was hard for you to walk out into the world and see how really messed up the world can be Yeah, a foundation that was able to remind you as much as they could in that time. And it makes me think of, I know one part of your book I read, and I don't know exactly where this was, but I know you said not everyone will understand you and that's okay. In some form you talked about that. And so that's something that it's really hard for a adolescent to understand that. But as you've become an adult and have you moved into adulthood, you can hold that as true. It's like, that's okay that they don't understand me. And a question that I have is, what do you wish that people knew more globally about mental health in general, but specifically how to struggle? Yeah. I mean, I think one of, like like you were saying, and I'm not sure exactly where that is in the book either, because I kind of mention stuff like that all the time of like, yeah, especially like, you know, I've been married for a few years. And when I was not married, just by nature of me being a Christian and oftentimes in faith-based circles, you know, people are trying to figure out like, why are you single? Like, is it because you don't want to have love? You know what I mean? So I was even like when I was single, I was always very openly saying phrases like, not every guy is going to like me and that's okay. You know, and, and like dealing with just regular young adult stuff of like, why wasn't I a bridesmaid? Or, you know, why wasn't I invited to that girl's trip? It's like, I can't practically be friends with every person that I've ever seen or every person that I follow on Instagram. Like, it's okay. Not everybody's going to like me. It doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make me bad. It just means that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to understand you. Not every guy is going to be interested in you. You can't date all of them anyway. Most people only want to date one person each. So it's it's okay. It's a very practical thing that we just got to roll with. We got to accept, you know? So that's just kind of something that I've just tried to kind of embrace in my own brain and hopefully live it out well. But yeah, as far as like what I wish people would understand, I mean, I, I think we, we, we as a culture, we do so well with things that we can see, right? We, we embrace things that we can see so well. If we see, if we're, we're in traffic and we get closer and closer to, you know, where the traffic started and we see a car accident and we see someone that looks very injured and they're on a stretcher, it's like we as a collective culture will all have somewhere in the same vein of they look hurt you know it's like that's just what we think we see someone with blood on them on a stretcher at a car accident they probably are gonna need surgery this is this is definitely a Grey's Anatomy situation like everybody can agree with that sentiment right but then not to sound like controversial but then we talk about something like the coronavirus Mm -hmm. we can't see it so now we're dealing with okay well this person says you should wear a mask this person says you shouldn't well this person says over because things that we can't see we just have a hard time as a collective culture agreeing with what is the next step. And so I wish that I don't wish that we could so much see mental health because I I think that that would just be a whole new level of dramatic problems. But I wish that we could learn how to accept mental health in the same way that we accept things like physical health that we can see, that we don't see it as a complete barrier or debilitating thing that like, oh, this person can, you know, never accomplish anything or this person is, you know, completely defeated or this person can never overcome. I hope that maybe we see like, oh, they seem different. 
but it doesn't, but maybe because of where they are, like maybe they still have something to offer. They still have something to bring to the table. Maybe this is because I'm ADHD, but I just keep having this thought and I have no idea why. I don't know why I keep making all these random movie references, but also I do because that's just who I am. But my husband watches Space Jam every day. Like it just came out yesterday. Like he is obsessed with that movie is a problem but also really attractive but that's not what we're talking about so he really likes the movie space jam and every time we're watching it i don't do basketball so let's just get that out there but if you've, i don't know if you've ever seen it before but there is okay so in the nba especially like when space jam was out usually all the guys were really tall but there's that one black guy he's like really short I can't think of what his name is, but it's like, he's a really short, like really famous NBA player. And by really short, he's probably like 5'10". Like um, he's actually kind of tall. <laughs> right, exactly. But he's in the movie Space Jam. And we see, as a culture, we see that he is obviously physically not as tall as a Michael Jordan or LeBron, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. Like we see that he's not as tall because physically he's different. But also, he's in the NBA. And so we still see that he is capable, he is strong, and likely a lot better at his skill than a lot of taller people, too, because he's really good. And just because he's short doesn't mean shorter, does not mean that he can't play basketball. And so we're able to, as a culture, see physical differences in people, but still embrace, oh, they're still capable, they still can. And I wish that when it comes to mental health, like, you know, I, I have first years especially when I was single and I was dating um like going on dates regularly I like to clarify because I'm still dating my husband but uh I, when I was going on dates with people when I was single I would very casually say things like yeah well no when I was experiencing symptoms of depression and then I would just cruise on through the conversation now obviously that's something that if people want to ask me more about I brought it up so feel free to ask me more about and if you don't think you can handle it that's fine but that should not warrant the concept of, oh, you must not be able to have a healthy relationship because you've had depression. Oh, or you, you must not be able to have a full-time job because you have Tourette syndrome. You know, maybe it's not the, the cup of tea that you want and that's fine, but people with mental health complexities, people that are neurodivergent, were capable, beautiful, wonderful, complex, and exceptional human beings. And I, I just simply wish that people could um, just could embrace that about us. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 
35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you You Need Therapy after you check out. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You know what I'm sitting here thinking when you mentioned parents saying things like, oh, I don't know exactly what you said, but the idea of like, she's possessed by a demon. Well, when somebody says I got cancer, nobody seems to think that the, the devil put that in them. So it's just very, it's so to me, cause I work in this field and this is, I surround myself with this and you're immersed in it too. To me, it makes so much sense of like, they're very similar. Let's not also ignore the fact that you were, went through all this. And then you also were like a singing sensation. I had <laughs> your songs on multiple playlists in college. I think it must've oh, been so cool. Yeah. And so I'm like, I never knew this about you, to be honest. And so yeah. I thought this is a super cool girl that has this really good voice. And I like singing her songs and my <laughs> lime green Volkswagen bug driving to college. Yes. And, um, so what, I mean, obviously, well, I can't say obviously, but it looks from the outside. None of this stopped you from going after things you wanted. It looks like, mm. I don't know if it did, but what was it like being somebody in public, public, public spotlight? I, it, it took a few years, you know, after the diagnosis to kind of come to grips with like, Hey kid, your life's not over. Um, and, and honestly, so much of that, you know, was my faith as a Christian. Like I said, my family as well. And I, and also I don't want to make it seem like I didn't have to fight to get there as well. You know, I had taken years off of school. So there was a lot of, you know, catch up and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I, uh, around 14 years old, I, I, like I mentioned, I'm a Christian, and so I'm really passionate about this one scripture in Psalm. Uh, it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And it just, that reading that and embracing that for me just gave me this freedom to be joyful, even though life was hard, right? And so, and not having to look for the perfect answer to experience joy. And I'm very much an optimist. I'm kind of a, a dreamer, if you will. If I don't know if you're into the Enneagram at all. I am a very, yeah... I, <laughs> nobody, yes, nobody has ever guessed my number wrong. People will know me for three seconds and they'll say they like the Enneagram and I just do it for fun. I'm like, you want to guess my number? And they're like, well, obviously you said that you're a seven. Like that is the most obvious seven wing eight thing to say. You want to guess, guess my number. Don't be wrong. Um, I'm the you best know. number. So, 
<laughs> yes, exactly. I'm the best. Um, so I'm, you know, the number of completion. It's fine. They should have stopped there. So I'm, a, <laughs> I'm just kidding because my dad's a nine and I love him. So, you know, I'm, I'm an Enneagram seven, but I was raised by a two and a nine. So I believe I just got to go change the world, fix it, solve it, find the goals. And so when I was 14 and I just fell in love with the concept of like joy, even through adversity, I was like, wait, hold up. There's a YouTube video in there. So I started a YouTube channel and my YouTube channel was and still is just all of the above. I was like, I'm going to put comedy on here. I'm going to put singing. I'm going to do monologues. I'm going to do questions and answers about Tourette's. I'm going to do Bible studies. I'm going to do everything that brings people joy. That at the end, that is what my YouTube channel's for. And three years after starting that channel, I was discovered by a kid's TV show called I Shine. They uh, based in Nashville, so I moved there for a little while. And so I ended up doing this kid's TV show that turned into a tour that turned into being on a record label. I did two albums there. Then I had success with radio, a Grammy nomination, and all this really cool stuff that happened at age 17, 18, 19. Um, And I was, I became known. And, you know, to a, a relatively large amount of people, you know, especially within Christian music and stuff like that. But then also I started to get like recognition through like, uh, like VH1 and some, some of the like reality shows, they started playing some of my songs. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was on basketball wives. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was just this weird, cool, crazy, amazing experience to be able to sh- just share joy with people, especially in the beginning, you know, I had that foundation with me, you know, I was a minor. So my mom was with me all the time. And she, you know, really like loves my dad. He loves her. So they didn't like to be apart. So he would like take off work and try to be with us as much as we could, he could. And then my sister, um, her her husband, he was like newly graduated from college and uh, he was just like a boss at like retail stuff. So he was like, wait, like what if I kind of like full-time travel with my, you know, little sister-in-law? And so, uh, and then my sister was like, wait, y'all get to go on the road. I want to go too. So I had like my family with me, this constant just, I mean, it was amazing. Obviously it was hard, but it was amazing. It, it really became challenging, especially speaking of like mental health, the more and more of an adult that I became because that was the less and less I kind of needed my family if you, just in the technical, practical sense. And that was when I would oftentimes be sent out on shows just like literally by myself. And yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just kind of a, sometimes just felt like a, a just a punch in the throat mental health wise, because I just didn't have any concept of foundation. And, you know, it's not at all that uh, that my family didn't provide that, if you will, but, it, and it's not at all that the, you know, the music industry in and of itself was just like a train wreck or anything like that. It's not that, it's just that I was in my early twenties and just like almost anyone in their early twenties, I was learning how to live life and living life is really hard. Yeah. Uh, but I was learning how to live life on my own and also being very known and being expected to provide a source of joy for people twice my age and their children and just constantly all the time. And there were, you know, there were seasons where I was like, Hey, I think I want to go to therapy. You know, like, I think this might be helpful or like, I don't really know how to do that. So maybe I should just talk to a pastor, but I didn't know like, well, what if I go to a pastor and his daughters expect me to be their role model? I can't just sit down with them and just tell them everything I'm going through. So like, okay, well then I should call my parents and talk to them. Like, this is really hard. You know, every, all these strangers and people, they have opinions about how much I weigh and who I'm dating and what I'm doing with my life. You know, uh, maybe I should talk to my parents about this, but then 
I know that my parents really love me and they would possibly be like, well, Jamie, maybe you should come home for a little while, which may have been a good idea, but like, why would I do that? I'm living the dream, but am I living the dream? And so um, it, was, it was really hard to say the least. And it, it, uh, it just, it was, there's really no way around it. It was just really hard. Talk about anxiety. That was just the monologue of anxiety. <laughs> that's what that was. People are like, what is anxiety? That's what it is. 1000 million yeah. questions and there's not a right answer. L- literally uh, girl. Yeah. I'm a little salty that we're having this conversation because I feel like you should be my therapist. Um, and I'm like, well now you can't be cause I feel like we're friends. And so that's just not fair. Um, I'm just kidding. I have a great therapist. She's awesome. But yeah, so literally, and like a lot of times my friends will say things like, <laughs> one of my I won't say her name because I don't want to call her out but she's like one of my best friends well who cares it's my friend Kristen she's because she's really funny my ADHD would not allow me to not say her name like she literally she's so funny she's also a seven she's told me many times before she's like I've never seen your anxiety in play but also the other day she told me being friends with you is like being at a theme park I was like Kristen that's it she's like oh She's like, oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. You know, she's like a sister to me, so she can say whatever she wants. And you're right. It really is. It's like this constant, there are a thousand questions that I have, but there are no right answers. But my need for the right answer is like my need for consistency, my need for foundation, my need for hope, my need for home. But, you know, that that just yeah. doesn't really exist. Well, I think a, a struggle that a lot of people have with anxiety, I have tons of it. And um, I also have ADHD. So those are just like the best of friends. Right, and, exactly. Um, the, the issue is we live in a world where there generally isn't a right answer for a lot of things, right. but, but the world doesn't acknowledge that. I think that right. our world sends a message that there is a right and a wrong when really the world is so very gray in so many areas. And so right. you're talking about this time of your life where you're trying to figure out what the world is and who you are and who you are aside from your family. And mm-hmm. you're doing it in the spotlight and you're trying to make mm-hmm. everybody happy. And then it's almost like you lose who you are and what you care about, which makes me think of, um, there's another part in your book that I was like, yes, where you talked about feelings and it was okay to feel things. I'm paraphrasing this, but it was okay for you to feel things if you were supposed to feel them. Like if it was, you were watching a movie. I think that's the example you gave. If I was watching a movie and it was sad. I could feel sad because that's what the writer of the movie wanted me and the director of the movie movie wanted me to feel. But if I just feel scared and I can't figure out why, I have to like shut it down. It's not, yeah. it's not welcome here almost. It was almost as though like I have to have a justification for any feeling that I have. Um, and I think a lot of that is because when you're an artist, your job is to make people happy. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you're not, and you don't have to make everybody happy, but at least the people that do listen, if they're not happy, they're not buying. If they're not happy, they're not attending shows. If they're not happy, they're not booking. And if those things don't happen, you know, has a career, you know, and I, 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 I was watching, I didn't finish it, but I was watching some of Taylor Swift's documentary that came out. Uh, maybe, I watched that. Yeah. Um, yeah. One or a couple years ago recently. And uh, that may have been this year. That was this year. It just, it's 2020. <laughs> so it feels like we've been in this year for 17. Yeah. My gosh. <laughs> this Taylor Swift documentary that came out in 1973. Oh my goodness. It was like Ridiculous. <laughs> 
right exactly oh my gosh i was like wait i was thinking about where i was i was like i was in my house i haven't even lived here for a year yet oh my goodness i was watching the documentary and i was just i just like i don't even like know taylor swift like that but i was like well i don't know her personally at all but i don't even know her music like that but i was just like bro i need to like give her a hug like because she was talking about like not getting a grammy nod or something i think it was and then she was talking about how she was just gonna have to like try again next time a little bit harder and my my personal mindset was like t swizzle you don't have to please anybody as long as you're content with the music you make that's all that matters but then my professional and my businesswoman side of things was like yeah t swizzle you want to pay bills or not you know and it it it, it sucks that yeah. that is the reality but that is the reality and so i you know on a, on a much smaller scale i feel like and if people don't know a lot about Christian music, then they will definitely hear this and judge me harshly, which I feel like would actually be kind of funny on my end. But like I was in a way like the Christian music Taylor Swift in that like the young female out there doing that, just a girl and her guitar writing songs about like singlehood and dating and stuff and trying really hard to remain this really good role model for young girls while also growing up and just trying to figure out who I am what do i want in the world who am i going to be but also at the same time if i don't make people happy am i going to pay the bills next week or am i going to pay the bills next month or am i going to have a job next year and as an like i said as an entertainer as a businesswoman i love that side of things i i'm a much i'm in a much healthier place to be able to love that side of things now but on a personal level it's like you have to have some part of your life that is not living for other people that is not living for pleasing others that is not living for anybody else's concept of success where you're just able to feel what you need to feel be who you need to be for the longest time i didn't have that i didn't have that foundation and and i'm really glad that i fought like crazy to get it back well i think that that's something that if people can wrap their head around it apply to anybody's life because you're talking about sacrificing what do i sacrifice do I sacrifice mm-hmm. job security, money, financial status? Do I sacrifice right. my true self, my desires, like my uh, whatever it is? And a lot of people struggle with that in other senses too of like when I'm trying to please others, am I going to sacrifice other people's admiration of me or my admiration of me or mm. my appreciation of me or my acceptance of me? What And we have to sit there and what do I want more in a world that tells us you can have it all? But I don't know that you can. And that's really hard to sit with. It's yeah. easy from take yourself out of it. You can look back and say, that makes sense that I couldn't please everybody. But when you're in right. it, I don't know that you can step out of that. And so yeah. it makes me wonder, how did you transition into where you are now? Uh, this is slightly kind of random, but I, I wanted to touch on something that you said. Um, and also, I just want to tell you, I don't know if you noticed, but I thought I was looking at my camera and I, I looked out the window and I was like, that's not where she is. And then I was like, oh, she's over there. Um, sorry. Um, yeah. So my mom and I were talking a couple of weeks ago uh, or months ago when like the pandemic. Yeah. Months ago when the pandemic like quarantine first started and I felt like I was losing my mind. And my mom and I sat down and we were like doing the math about the amount of time in a day that we're supposed to do all the things to be the best person. You know what I mean? Just, just because we thought it was fair 
fascinating to see. Like we knew it wasn't possible, but my mom is really good at helping me walk through impossible things so that I can process that they are impossible. And so my mom was like, look, the skincare professionals want you to devote 30 minutes to an hour in the morning and in the night. And then makeup professionals want you to devote this much time to doing your makeup and hair professionals want you to, they say, you need to be using this kind of shampoo. This is the budget you need to have. It needs to be sulfate free and all the stuff. Like if you're, as far as eating, it's got to be K-tree. It's got to be organic. You have Tourette's syndrome. So if people find out that you're eating gluten, they're going to, you know, totally judge you for it. You know, no caffeine, all this stuff. And then like you're a wife, so you're supposed to be doing this and this and that. And then like by this culture standard, your house is supposed to be perfectly clean. Laundry is supposed to be folded and everything the same day that it's washed and you're a mom. And she, it was so good that she walked me through all of that because I was like, before we even got to like other forms of hygiene. I was like, how many times a day should you be like showering and all this stuff? I was like, mom, it's impossible. You know, it's impossible by the standard of every professional and expert to be phenomenal and pleasing everyone. It's it's impossible. And that was actually really freeing for me to hear because one thing that I kind of gave up when I had my daughter was my skincare routine. Like, and some moms have a killer skincare routine and that's amazing. Congratulations, Sheila. I'm so proud of you. But I don't, you know, I splash a little bit of water and I keep it going. And this is not at all for someone like DM me and be like, no, you just got to try this. Like, no, I gave, I gave that up. Yeah. yeah, I gave that up. I stopped buying that bougie stuff so that I could splurge in other areas so that I could get like whatever. So it's just like that, just processing that like, no, we are not able, we're not going to be able to be exceptionally perfect and grand in every element of life. Some things are going to have to give, some things are going to have to let, you know, let go of and, and that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But getting to this point was was definitely challenging um when i was when i was 24 i walked away uh well when i was 24 i, I made a choice to become an independent artist and i up until that point like i i, I had a a cute little cottage house that that I had like in the town that I grew up in that I had like gotten right out of college because I was like I just want to honor the town that I grew up in and everything but I had been kind of bouncing apartments like in Nashville and Atlanta and stuff like that because I was just traveling so much but I decided to like buy a house put down some roots and go into about a year and a half two years of very intentional solitude mm-hmm. and healing and recovery i didn't release any music i didn't um i was making youtube videos here and there but i just i started seeing a therapist uh like regularly like before it had just been kind of this thing of like oh they've got free therapy in, co- in college but now i actually sought out like you know a therapist on my own so like something that i did for myself i got involved in my local church and did not you know take any kind of income or anything from that i just wanted to have like some time of intentional healing finding quiet yes sometimes it has to do with like actually turning off a lot of the noise around us but a lot of times it it really just means healing from unnecessary noise and not adding unnecessary noise and sometimes you have to find quiet because of things that you lost and sometimes you have to find quiet because of things that were stolen from you and for me I had to do both I had lost a sense of family I lost a sense of my foundation I lost a sense of being fulfilled by encouraging words from people that didn't benefit from me financially. You know, I had lost all of that. And then also things that were stolen from me, I had begun to spend 
an exceptional amount of time um, around peers professionally, but also strangers that had very strong opinions about the way that my body looked and the way that my clothes fit me and the food that I was eating, you know. I mean, I'm talking about a culture and an environment where it was healthy and normal for a 40-year-old man to shame a 19-year-old girl for eating some French fries from McDonald's, you know. That is normal. That is a normal part of environments that I was often in. Um, and, and that is merely scratching the surface of things that were stolen from me. And by stolen, I mean just the concept of being myself and living with abandon and being a young adult. And so I had to find quiet from all of that. And it was about a two-year journey of healing and recovery that was just very different from a very busy life. I I never want people to think that I am saying the music industry is a bad place. (laughs) I believe that the world is a crazy place. And if we are not intentional about who we are and who we're called to be, any industry can become a bad place. And I, I, I really needed to find quiet and just find some peace in my own life before I kind of stepped back out um, into any, any other kind of world or culture. I love that sentence that any place, if you are not like true and honest with your intentions and why you're there, any place can ra- rob you of that. And right. I love that because I was having a conversation recently with a, fr- a friend, not even a client mm-hmm. about the hardness of the reality of some business cultures and her questioning, should I even be doing this after she had found out some, I mean, just inside drama, ethics, all that. And I sat with her in the idea that you have to remember that every space that we're in has the ability to take something and turn into something like that. Every space it doesn't matter if it's in the media, in the spotlight, in music or in an accounting firm, because that's just the nature of our world. And as long as as you are intentional about why am I doing, why am I showing up here? You can find space there. Like you can be in the music industry and be okay and live a healthy life and live a a fulfilling life. One thousand percent. You know, I, the, the the first thing that comes to mind is like my, my husband and I, we're like very like passionate about just like giving all kids a healthy, beautiful life. And so we talk about kids in foster care all the time. And like one of the biggest things, every time we start talking about it, no matter, even if we say something like, oh yeah, we want to help kids in foster care. People always jump to this conclusion that like, oh, we have a one-year-old aren't teenagers in foster care wild and crazy we we don't even have to bring that up people just start talking about that and i'm just like why how did i wasn't even talking about teenagers like what what are you doing the thing that i always like to tell people i'm like look all humans all people have potential to do wild insane things we all do we're not talking about like oh this person is bad this person is tainted this teenager in foster care is xyz no it's like literally any human has the possibility to turn out any kind of way it's about how are we nurturing how are we loving how intentional are we being what kind of environment what kind of setup what kind of foundation is that person being given um and so you're totally right it's like i i never want to be the kind of person that's like oh the music industry xyz because people ask me all the time like what if your daughter wants to go into the music business i'm like 
I'm gonna have the same questions that I have for her if she wants to be a scientist. Yeah. Like, yeah. where where is your heart? What kind of like if my daughter wants to be a pastor, but be like, so, uh, boo boo, do you watch the news? Because <laughs> they're crazy in these streets. Where's your heart? Where's your spirit? Who's your accountability? And can it be me? Yes, it will. You know, it's 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 not about what industry, what culture, what environment are you gonna be in. It's about what kind of person are you gonna be, and how are you gonna be contributing to um to the environment that you're stepping into and it's so i mean refreshing for you to be able to say hey i need a break from this so i can center myself and remember who i am because it's really hard and i love that you were able to do that and it looks like now i don't know when that was that a couple years ago five years ago am i doing that yeah, so it was yeah it was 24 when i became indie and i'll be 29 next week so yeah okay. five years then you have this space and all of a sudden now you have written this book about this journey of <laughs> yeah. you doing that which i think is awesome because people can see that as a lot of people don't know they're in the space that you're in you had mm. a little bit of a wherewithal to know hey i need i need to find quiet but now right. you're not out there where people can see like, oh, maybe I need to do that too. No matter what industry they're in, no matter what, I think sometimes we all need to take a break. We all need therapy. I mean, you need therapy. You need therapy. So yeah. And I love that. Like you had been in that, you were aware of mental health, obviously majority of your life. And it wasn't until that moment that you sunk into I'm going to do my own work and really do this for me and figure out my stuff. Mm, yeah, it was, it was, it was a sacrifice for sure. And and again, I want to make sure that I, that I acknowledge, you know, the, the privilege that I do come from and that I did have a family that yeah. was, even though they weren't very aware of everything that was going on, I do have a family that, you know, they were checking in on me. They did come out to my shows here and there. So I did have people that were, even though I didn't listen, I did have people that <laughs> were saying like, Hey, come home. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm living the dream. And they were like, give it six months and you're going to burn out. And I was like, no, I'm not. You crazy. You know, um, and they were right. But so I, I did have that for sure. But but that I do hope that this book helps some people recognize like, whoa, maybe I am in a place that I didn't realize that I was. Maybe I do need more accountability or more support or I need a break or something like that. I don't know that I've said this out loud for everybody here, but I'm, you have a book called Finding Quiet, which is what we're <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned it a couple of times. So if any of this is kind of like touching some people and they want to know deeper and more of the details of your story and your journey through finding this space, go out and buy this book. Where do you want them to buy it? Amazon? Does it matter? Yeah, yeah. It really, so if you want, if you go to jamiegrace.com, you can get a signed copy of it. But also I personally, I mean, I'm supposed to tell people to go there, but like also like I like Amazon. So like, I'm not going to be mad at you if you're like, look, I would like to be able to track my package by an app because we don't have that. We don't have no tracking package up. And I'm not gonna lie to you. Signatures on it, so they do you get have a signed copy. Yeah, so it's like you know, you know, pick which one. Either way, it'll be a full legal, regular version of the book. Don't know why I say legal, but yeah, it's <laughs> either way you're gonna get the same printed book. I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> so I and another thing that I like just knowing throughout this conversation is you can see in real time, like when you talk and some of the things you said, and I pointed out before what anxiety literally sounds like from somebody who now has acknowledged that I have it. Cause I know I yeah. literally did not know. I've said this so many times on this podcast. I had no idea I had anxiety until I was in a graduate school class learning about it. 
And then I was like, that's not a mental health diagnosis. That's how we all are. And right. like, no, that's anxiety and that you probably have it. And so for yeah. you, for us to be able to realize that like that, this is something that some people struggle with, some people don't, but for the people that do struggle with it, that don't know, they can see this is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. Right. And this is some of the stuff that has helped me be able to live in a world and feel safe in a world with something that, you know what? I don't think I'm going to wake up ever and my anxiety be gone. I don't right. think that for me. And yeah. like you mentioning some of the stuff, some of your Tourette's, you're not going to wake up and everything just be washed away and you be a hundred percent a brand new person. And you probably at this point don't even want that. And oh, so, no. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I just love the picture of this book of learning how to sit and realizing and cope and also appreciate like who you are and your wholeness. Some of my anxiety and my ADHD, what makes me a seven, which what gives me ideas, what is why I can do the things I do. And that's probably very similar for you. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, yeah, I I wouldn't be who I am without all this. And and 11 year old me would be like, how did you do it? How did you take all of that mess and make a make a whole freaking life out of it. How did you do that? And I, I, I can't really precisely lay out a play by play. Well, maybe I should say that I can, and that's the book, blah, blah, blah. But it's, <laughs> it's more of like, I used to get so embarrassed about certain things about myself. Like, and I'm sure just because you're a therapist, like you notice certain things, like I don't tend to make a ton of eye contact when I'm getting distracted. You know, I kind of tick a lot when I'm trying to pace through a sentence because it's just the easiest way for me to get to my point. And I used to be so embarrassed about those things. I used to edit them out of my YouTube videos. I used to suppress it when I was hanging out with people. But now I'm like, bruh, there's no such thing as normal here. I, I'm, I'm different. I've got some quirks. It's just, it is what it is. It's who I am. And I'm not ashamed of that anymore because it makes me who I am. Like if it was, you know, well, let me not go on that rabbit hole that I was about to. But yeah, it, it, it makes me who I am. And I'm cool with that. And I wish, I wish 11-year-old me could see this, but also 11-year-old me doesn't exist. I mean, like it, it does because it's like in the past, but you know, I don't remember some, <laughs> some people are like, I wish my younger self could see this. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense because- Somewhere in there for you. And I was going to even ask what you answered the question. I was going to say, what do you wish you could tell 11-year-old you? And it- Oh, what- yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could just tell her like one day every- thing that they pick on you for is going to be the thing that makes you feel so proud of yourself. Yeah. And it's going to be the thing that makes you realize that it's so, it's so good to be different. You know, I remember, so this is my 12,000 pop culture reference, but I remember when New Girl with Zoe Deschanel came out. We love that show. And Zoe is a genius. And I remember, first of all, I remember being mad because everybody just heard of her. And I was like, she and him is the best duo on the planet. Where have you people been? Sorry. But everybody that I knew, I think I was in college at the time, all the girls that I knew were like buying fake glasses and trying to, you know, dress like Jessica Day and trying to be like, oh, look at me. I'm like the new girl because I'm different. You know, it's like everybody was just trying so hard to prove how different they are. And I just wish and how quirky they were. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play the ukulele now. And I just, I wish that like 11 year old me knew that, hey, everybody in this world, whether you're Zoe Deschanel or Jamie Grease or Billy Bob, everybody has something about them that makes you different. And we don't have to try to create, to manufacture, to develop something about us that makes us different. Just embrace the thing that you're trying to bury. Embrace that. That's your thing. That's what makes you different. You're trying to be a blogger. That's your brand. Don't manufacture. 
don't create something just sounds so cheesy. And I, I literally have a lyric. I'll just end it on this. I literally have a lyric of a song that says, I know it's a little bit 1991 pop song to say, just be yourself. So then call me a 1991 pop song. Cause I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be anybody else. That might be the greatest thing that you've said in the last hour. And I want to end on that because I mean, I'm going to repeat it, but like the thing that you are trying to bury, that's it. That's what makes you, you. And if more of us were able to accept that, if more of us were able to embrace the thing that we're trying to bury, I think the world would be much better because I like, yeah, you, yeah. that's what makes you different. That's what makes the world go around. We don't yeah. all need to be Jessica Day. We need to be ourselves. And because yeah. uh, what you're saying, and I'm going to have to stop myself now, but what you're saying is we're all trying to be different, but then we're all trying to be different, the same, and then being different. Yeah, and then we're just all, we're all, all going to be the same. It's going to be so confusing. It's like, it's like, that, 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 like, that's not practical. It doesn't make any sense. If we're all trying to be different, so we're all trying to be the same different. It's like, like, I don't know if this, you've ever had this happen before, but if you've ever like liked a band that got like really famous, like remember when Need to Breathe was like the, the cultural Christian cool kid thing? Like that was like our thing. And then they got like famous, famous. And then we were all like, excuse me, and Bear. <laughs> yeah, I knew about them when they said wash by the water. Like, you know, it's like we all trying to, well, I knew about them when they had a B side back in 1815. <laughs> I knew about them when they were with Adam and Eve in the garden. It's like, we're all trying to like prove, like, look how different I can be. I have this story and then, but then we get salty when like our favorite different people become so known and known by everybody else, which first of all, congrats to, you know, need to breathe them really proud of you guys. <laughs> but it's like, it, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing as a culture. And especially, especially as millennial women, we're all doing it. We're like, I just want to be different. I just want to have a brand that's like different, that stands out. Like I just want to talk and be like really like, and then we're all turning into the same interest person. And it's just, it's not cute. Cut it out. Don't be that girl. Yeah. And I mean, there, we could talk, we're going to have to both stop ourselves because we could talk for it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's like my favorite topic. I'm like, Ooh, going off on me and my friends. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just press at us all day. <laughs> I think, but the meat of that is like being, be the thing that you're trying to bury. That's what makes you different. And different is good. Different is yeah, good. And we can't it really is. Yeah. Different. And I wish I could tell my 11 year old self that too, because I think that we mm. all have a little girl somewhere, unless you're a boy, then you have a little boy somewhere, but like a little child somewhere where you're trying to not be who you are. And if you only knew that that was probably the best thing about you. And one of the most mm. redeeming things about you, it would have saved us from a lot of stuff. But at the same time, the journey takes us where we need to go. And I'm really mm-hmm. grateful that your journey brought you here. And to this writing this book, to being who you are, to like sitting here in this moment and even getting to have this conversation. So I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you so much. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. 
and this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.